Come stay. Um, as I said, it's the last in our Acts of Courage series, and I just took a couple of them off the board just to uh, remind ourselves. So good. Um, I invited my friends of 30 years to our Easter service. Somebody else. I went treasure hunting. That's going out in the town looking for people to pray for. And I spoke to a woman who just had a hip replacement and prayed for her. Seeing her on Friday, she wants to come to church. And then another one. I invited my dad and the woman he left my mum for over to my house at Christmas. My relationship with my dad is now better. What courage, eh? What courage. What courage. It's the end of our Acts of Courage series, but I hope that our Acts of Courage won't, continue, won't uh, stop. And indeed, um, my topic today is going to be about prayer, which I'm titling as one of the foundation for courage. And I believe that as I share today and as we apply that into our hearts, it'll provide the basis for us being more courageous in our lives. So let's look at the passage. We're in Acts chapter 12 now, and we're going to start at the, the first verse. It's a great story, so I'd like to, I'm going to enjoy reading it to you. Acts chapter 12 and verse 1. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison. But earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now when Herod bound with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and awoke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Rest yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your clothes around you. the angel thought he was seeing a vision. When they passed the first and the second guard, they the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left Peter came to himself. What will we say? He pinched himself, I think. He said, now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. When he realised this, he went to the house of Mary, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the Rhoda came to answer. Recognising Peter's voice, in her joy she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the They said to her, you're out of your mind. She kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, it's his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. 
motioned with his hand to be silent. The giant took out the board and brought him out of the prison. And he said, Tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. Now when day came, there was no little disturbance among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. And after Peter, Herod searched for him and did not find him, he ordered examined the sentries and ordered that they should be put to death. Then he went down from Judea to Caesarea and spent his time there. I think last time I was preaching we were talking about persecution. And here again we can see how the persecution of the church that started with Stephen's death was continuing. And here in Jerusalem we can see something again of the ferocity of that persecution. James, the brother of John, and the son of Zebedee had been killed. Herod seems to have been just doing this to appease the Jews and gain favour with them. And Peter was next in line. I love the reality of the story, don't you? Peter, fast asleep. The angel had to, I can imagine giving him a big kicking, really, to wake him up. He certainly wasn't worrying about what was going to happen the next day. He was fast asleep. But when he woke up, his chains fell off. He was kind of half asleep, didn't know, is this a vision, is this real? Just followed the um, angel out, past the guards, not noticing him. The doors opening by themselves. There was something going on here. I guess when he got to the street, he couldn't do anything but wake up. He said, oh, now I'm sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me. And what does he do? The only thing he can do, really, he goes to find his friends, and they're still meeting at Mary's house. Remember, this is the middle of the night, but there they are, still praying for him. It was at least, I think, an all-night prayer meeting, if not 24-7. It was a horrendous time for the church, wasn't it? One of their leaders had been killed, another one was lined up. What were they driven to? They were driven to earnest prayer. And as I was thinking about it and looking back through the passages of Acts that we've already looked at, we can see that prayer wasn't just something they did in crisis situations like this. It was part of their daily routine. As situations came, as their lives progressed, they were praying regularly. Acts chapter 1 and verse 14 said, The apostles were in the upper room, and all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. We read later in Acts 2, after the day of Pentecost, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Again, in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John have been before the high priest council. And when they've released and went back to their friends, they prayed, and the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. When the apostles heard that the people in Samaria had received the good news of Jesus. They sent Peter and John down to pray for them. And they then received the Holy Spirit. And Simon, the magician that Paul talked about, he was so amazed at this praying that he asked if he could buy this power. After Saul had met God and been struck blind, Ananias was sent to go and look for him, to pray for him. And it says that immediately something like scales fell from his eyes. In the same chapter... Acts 9, we read Peter prays for a paralyzed man named Aeneas. He prays for the dead woman, Dorcas. And then in the next chapter, Acts 10, 10, it was while Peter was praying on the rooftop that he had the vision 
to go to the Gentiles. We can see that prayer was just a constant characteristic of the early church, both when they met together and when they were on their own. They were connecting with God in prayer, in their meetings, but also when they were on the rooftops in their own quiet times. And as a consequence, as we've seen, when things got really bad, as they did now, they did what they were used to doing. They came to God in prayer. I was thinking a little bit about prayer. Um, Wayne Grudem in Systematic Theology, he defines prayer as prayer is personal communication with God. Simple phrase, really. Prayer is personal communication with God. It's about our conversation with our Father. We come together and I can be encouraged by hearing you pray, hearing someone pray for the front. Being together, it can prompt me, but it's not enough. I need to have my own personal conversation with my Father. We know, don't we, that in any relationship, good communication is essential. And it's the same with God. As we spend time with him, talking to him, hearing from him, our relationship develops. Love grows. We encounter him afresh. And really that's the kind of core of what I want to say today, that you know, we can come together as we often do to encounter God. I love those times. And I'm going to be the first in the queue when we say, right, we're having another encounter weekend. But at the same time, I want to be encountering God day by day in my lounge in 7 o'clock in the morning. I want to be meeting God for myself. And I hope that as we go through this today, you too will have that kind of hunger. Yes, I want to press in more into my own individual relationship with God. It's about you and God. Your time in the secret place, that place when no one knows, where no one sees where there's an audience of one, we say, for our actions, when it's only God who sees. But it's in that place that I believe we define the foundations for the rest of our lives. That's where we get the strength to press through. I remember when I was in India, we went on a trip up to the northeast of India, and I was sharing a room with a guy called Dave Wallen. Um, He was a strong guy. He was leading a church in Qatar, And just, you know, we were in the same room. We were just talking about our morning routines. And Dave just said, naturally said to me, I couldn't possibly get through my day if I didn't start it by spending time listening to and hearing from God. And it really challenged me at the time, just hearing from him, just in a natural way, that dependency he had on hearing God's word for him for the day. He was a guy with a lot going on. As I say, he had big church responsibilities. His family, there were challenges. His son had had a climbing accident and had a brain injury, so was very limited. But Dave Wallen wasn't a broken guy. He was a strong guy. And he was finding his strength every day in that place with Jesus. I know for myself, I can so easily be self-reliant. I think probably it's what my mum and dad tried to teach me to be. Isn't it what the world says we have to be? We have to be strong, you know, man up. But actually, it's when we come to God and we ask him for our strength that truly we are strong and truly we can face the day. 
So just to help us, I hope, um, I thought I'd run through sort of seven just little points that tell us something about prayer, which I hope will help us to think about it and apply it into our own life. So first of all, prayer allows us to get a right vision of God. As we've seen, I don't think prayer is just about coming to God with our shopping lists of requests. Prayer needs to include praise and worship. You might be like me, I've got an absolutely useless voice. Uh, it always sounds good to me, but everybody else tells it it's useless. But, you know, whatever your way is of coming in to praise and worship, whether it's singing on your own, whether it's listening to songs, whether it's just actually speaking out your praise, we don't have to be in this church setting to offer our praise and worship to God. As we come to him, as we come to him with our worship, it helps us to realise who, who he is his magnificence, his awesome power, his purity, his holiness. He's the one who sits in the heavens, the one that we pray to. We're praying to the God who parted the Red Sea, who brought water from the rock, who calmed the storm, who fed 5,000 with two loaves and five fishes. This is the God who is able. He doesn't need our prayers, but he delights in it as we come to him and pray to him, showing our love, showing our commitment, our desire for a relationship with him. This is the Father, isn't it, who through the plan of salvation dealt with our sin, who through the sacrifice of Jesus, wasn't it lovely in the worship, the cross stands above it all, who delights, uh, who reached out to us through Jesus with his unending love and favour. This is the God who is willing to show his love to us, to help us in our time of need. And secondly, I think prayer emphasises our dependency on God. I've been reading some passages in the Old Testament recently from Kings and Chronicle, where so often we see the people turning their back on God. 2 Chronicles 30 describes them as stiff-necked, proud and haughty. Arrogantly, they were going their own way. We can often, can't we, be slow to come to God in prayer. We just want to sort things out ourselves. Pride gets in the way sometimes. Sometimes it's just, oh, we won't bother with God with it. Prayer comes and challenges the self-sufficiency that the world tells us to strive for. But we shouldn't have to have prayer as the last resort after we exhausted all our own ideas. When we see who God is, how much he is for us, Prayer should be our first response in situations. 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says, Pray without ceasing. Make it your constant practice. My third point, prayer brings supernatural intervention. I thought it was funny actually with Sam and Claire here because I think in the country where they come from, they wouldn't have any problem thinking that prayer brings supernatural intervention. But I think here in secular Britain, we need to kind of do a little bit of work to get our head around that. Because we see here, don't we, that the uh, apostles were praying, the church was praying, and God sent angelic beings to lead Peter out of the jail. Clear example of God intervening. And when we pray, we should recognise that we're coming to our eternal heavenly Father who answers our prayer and who does it supernaturally. We need to have an expectation of supernatural answers to our prayer. 
How could that baby that Sam prayed for the other day, the baby uh, that wasn't developing properly in the womb, every prediction was it was going to be um, not born well, not born healthily. And yet we know when the baby was born, actually it was at a normal weight. It was healthy. How could that be explained other than the supernatural intervention of God? And as we've gone through Acts, we've seen it, haven't we? Many examples of signs and wonders being done through the apostles. The lame man in Acts chapter 3 went walking and leaping and praising God. Acts chapter 5 says there were many signs and wonders regularly done among the people by the apostles. And as we pray, we can have faith that the same God who intervened miraculously in Acts is ready and willing to intervene in our town through our prayers. I think prayer takes us from, instead of just looking at the bad situations around us, it takes us to that place of participation with God, calling down the powers of heaven into our town, into our country, into our church, where we choose to apply our prayer effort. We cooperate with God to bring down supernatural intervention. Prayer also deepens our own personal relationship with God. And we saw something of that in my introductory comments around the whole kind of communication. It's important that we live in that place of conversation with our God, rejoicing and thanking God for his goodness in all of the situations. Those simple prayers that we ask, Lord, please help me in this. What do I say here? We need to be walking with our God more closely day by day. And as we do that, so... Our relationship grows. Listening and responding. Hearing his voice for the different situations that we face. As we come close to him, we might also find that he highlights area of sin and disobedience in our lives. God highlights these things, not so that we can feel bad about it, but so that we can repent and ask for forgiveness. As we come to that point of knowing that our sins are dealt with, sins otherwise get in the way of our relationship with him and hinder us from praying effectively. As I say, most prayer will be personal, minute by minute, day by day, through the day. It's really important, I think, to cultivate that habit. Cultivate that habit of also setting time aside for God. Many people do that in the morning, some it might be the evening. And we talk about kind of spiritual discipline, getting into a routine, getting into a habit. I believe that as we come to God in prayer, it becomes a delight to us as God meets us. But it's also good to have that routine. So on the bad days, when actually it's the last thing we want to do, we're still going to God. We're still praying to him. And actually that's when we need his strength the most. So it's good for us to cultivate those habits of just spending time with God. For many of us, God will have given us a prayer language, the gift of tongues, something that can be an important part of our prayer routine. That's not something God has brought to you yet. You might want to be asking God for that. But it's just a way of quieting our minds, allowing God to speak, praying into situations where our own wisdom fails us. The Bible says the Holy Spirit intercedes with groanings too deep for words. We don't need to be about anxious about anything, the Bible tells us, because we bring it to God in prayer. 
That's a huge challenge. It's a huge challenge. But the Bible says, in everything, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I found this quote from Bill Hybels, which I thought was quite helpful. I've come to know God a whole lot better since I slowed down to pray, since he made time to pray regularly. I've been astonished by his approachability, endeared by his care, stilled by his presence, encouraged by his affirmation, his um, delight in me, and challenged by his insatiable desire, his unending desire to make the truth known. Prayers, I say, will often be on our own, but also prayer builds us together as a church. It's important times when we come together in prayer, to pray. What does the Bible say? Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am among them. And there's a particular sense of God's presence as we come together, each of us bringing our prayer contributions. You know the picture of the church, don't you, as the body, each with our different gifts. And for me, I know it's so helpful when we're praying together and someone brings a prophetic picture. Someone helps me to see an element of God that I haven't seen before. There's huge value in coming together in praying like that. I think prayer also allows us to come together in agreement. Again, Matthew 18 says, if two or three of you agree on anything they ask, it will be done for them. It's a powerful verse and you know, we haven't really got time to unpack it all, but it shows the importance of coming together in agreement. We've seen earlier, haven't we, that the disciples were involved in praying at least all night. We're sometimes told that we need to persist in prayer. And personally, for me, I find it so much easier to pray when I'm praying with others. It's easier to persist, isn't it, when there are other voices in the room. It's so good to pray together. Do you remember, some of you will remember, when we came to this building, when we were looking at the last building project, we were tentative at first as we thought about that project. Perhaps God is with us. But then as we prayed and gave, we sensed God's blessing upon us. And together now, we can rejoice in his generosity to us because we walk together through that way. Answer prayer also strengthens our faith. Faith is an important part of praying. Andrew last week was talking about faith and uh, I think he had some great definitions but really our prayer, our faith is based on a confidence and trust that God wants to act in a situation because we know his character, because we have a knowledge of who he is, his heart to bless us as revealed in his word. And faith also grows as God speaks to us. We've talked about prayer, haven't we, as not only speaking to God, but also hearing from him. I know for me, I'd say I don't, I don't think I've ever actually heard God in a sort of tangible voice. Some people would say that's how it happens for me. For me, it's more just, I just get a sense of something on my heart. Would it be good to pray like this? And I come to recognize that that's how God speaks to me, that I have just a sense of, yeah, pray in this way intervene in this situation now and that's God speaking to us in different situations 
And when we hear God's voice like that, it causes our faith again to rise. And my first step, usually when someone asks me, will you come and pray with me, is, now what is God trying to say to me in this situation? How should I pray in the most appropriate way? What is the faith that God is giving me? And sometimes it will be for the complete miracle of healing. But sometimes, actually, it will be peace and strength in very difficult circumstances, wisdom for the doctors doing the operation. And when we pray and see God answer, it strengthens our faith. When the early church gathered to pray here, their faith, I'm sure, was strengthened because a few chapters earlier in Acts chapter 5, God had previously sent angels and brought the apostles out of jail. They'd seen what God would do. And their faith would have been stronger as a result. The testimony cards we fill in here as a church, it's not so that we can glory in what God is doing amongst us as a church, but it's actually so that we can glorify God, so that we can see a God who acts and intervenes in everyday situations. He intervened for my friend. He can intervene for me. And my last point is not to let disappointments put us off. We always need to remember that God's heart is one of love towards us. Sometimes our prayers aren't answered as we might like. But that should never cause us to doubt that God is for us. That our Father doesn't still love us to pieces. We have to trust him even through the difficult times, the times we don't understand, the painful times. The apostles of the church here was praying for Peter, but actually James had just been killed. It doesn't tell us that they prayed for him, but I presume that they did. But God didn't intervene in the same way. We live in a world where there is still suffering and crying. And sometimes God doesn't answer in the way that we would like him to do. I think it's just important at these times to remember it's not that God is not having a bad day. It's not that he's not for you today. His love is unending. His heart is always for you. And even when sometimes the answer is not the one we like, because we come to him, there is always a response. Even it is, I'm going to help you to endure through this difficulty. You remember my friend Dave Wallen that I talked about in that bedroom in India when his son fell off that cliff there were people travelling round the globe to lay hands on him. It was a whole church movement praying for that guy. But actually he didn't recover very much at all. Could we explain it? No we couldn't. Did we understand it? Did we understand why God didn't act in that situation? No we didn't. But did it stop my friend Dave pressing into God every morning? Absolutely not. In fact, I think it probably made him press in even harder. And disappointments can be difficult. But we must never let them cause doubt that God loves us. So what do we learn? How do we apply this? Well, I know a few of you will be saying, well, yeah, thank you. That's a helpful reminder. Um, But I'm already having great times with God every day. I'm praying in every situation, seeing lots of encouragement. I think the challenge for you is keep pressing on. 
exploring the depths of your relationship with him. There's always more to exploring God. Please encourage the rest of us in that. For some of you, I think you may be saying, used to be good, but somehow I've got a bit stale. There's been a few disappointments along the way. Things I've found hard to understand. Maybe today is the day for you to resolve, to just press into God again in a new way. Maybe take some time out. Seek his presence daily. Don't settle just for routine. Pursue that encounter with God in prayer each day. Make it a real priority. And I was thinking about priorities and I wanted to say, make it a priority above everything else. And I thought, can I say that? I don't know if the Bible allows me to say that. But then I thought, can I think of anything more important? And actually, I don't think I can, but make it a priority. Make it a priority to press into God. Don't let him go until he blesses you in that. I took time out earlier in the year to spend a little bit of time away uh, with God. And I did so. I was excited that I was going to have this time with God. But I also believe God spoke to me at the time saying, actually, I'm excited that you're coming to spend time with me. And God loves that relationship that we have with him as we pursue it. Jesus is our supreme example, isn't he? He took regularly took time out to pray and to go away with his father. He was ready to pray in every situation. But even Jesus had to live with difficult answers to his prayers, didn't he? You remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, if it be possible, let this cup pass from, my, pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. It wasn't possible for him to be spared his cruel death. So don't let the answers to prayers that you're not keen on rob you of the joy of coming regularly and expectantly to God. For some of you may may have heard things that are quite new today. I've only been a Christian a while. I've never really got into this habit of praying. Do you, you mean I can expect God to intervene in my circumstances? Yes, you can. And my encouragement is, press into God. Wherever you are, keep going after him. Set aside that regular time when you can come to him and pray. Know his character and know that based on his character, he loves to bless us. Maybe church prayer meetings, those times when we come together to pray, aren't part of your routine. Resolve that as we go into the new term in September, that you're going to be there at the weeks of prayer, pressing in and making that a real part of your day. Maybe just for you, this whole Christianity thing is new to you. I've been to church a few times, but I never realized actually God wanted that relationship where I hear his voice. Today's a great day for you to take the next step in getting to know God better. I'd be happy to chat afterwards and help you with that. So I don't think we... We'll have an appeal today, but I think maybe we will just have, why don't we, you've been sitting a while, would you like to stand and just, I think just have a few minutes, just quiet, just really examining your own heart. Just think about your own habits of meeting with God, your own prayer habits. Where are you in that? Are you ready? Are you meeting God 
morning by morning, day by day? Are you pressing into him? God loves you so madly. He wants that relationship, that communication with him to develop. Press into him. Press into him. Ask him now. Ask him now to encourage you, to help you to find that time, to make that space, as Bill Hybel said, to slow down, to make the space to meet regularly with your God. Alan, maybe you could just help us with a song. Just uh, let us just reflect on what we've heard.